From the East Coast to the West Coast, this is the Coast to Coast NBA Podcast. I'm Chalanga. And I'm Dylan. Hello, Dylan. What's up? Nothing much. Just another sunny day on the West Coast, baby. Mm. How are you? It's I'm good. It's starting to get beautiful here now. It's been mid-60s this week. Played a lot of basketball this weekend, so I'm pretty sore. But I had like the best few hours of basketball of my entire life. On Friday night, the highlight sequence, I just have to I have to brag about it on the pod. I have to brag about it. In one possession, I got two blocks, then I got the rebound, took it, hit a three in transition to win the game. It was fucking magical. No way. It was you just pulled up? I pulled up, I hit the three, and I won the game. Wait, by how much? Uh that's a good question. I don't remember by how much. So did you have to take a three, or should you have definitely driven and you still would have gotten the W? The three won the game. We needed the three to win the game in that oh, you possession. Did. Yes. Well then you well then you won by one. No, I don't know I don't know if we won by one like I'm saying we had eighteen. I don't know how much they had though. And we were playing oh. the twenty one. So, oh I see. So the three won the game. I could have just taken a a, a dribble. There were people in front of me though. Like so, if I, I would have taken, gone into the lane into the defender. So instead, I just pulled up and hit the three. Smart. It was amazing. It was amazing. What were you playing in that game? What was your position? Uh, that's tough in pickup. You know, I guess I was kind of like a point forward type, like power forward that also handled the ball sometimes. That's kind of nice. Yeah, you know, I'm because I'm like generally the biggest person on the court but i also have a little bit of i can handle the ball a little bit so every That's once super in a while weird cuz you're donovan mitchell's size i know isn't that crazy <laughs> isn't that crazy i did play though yesterday against this guy that was like 6 foot 8 he had no game though it was he sucked so bad i blocked his ass so much and then i would just bring him out to the perimeter put a couple moves on hit a pull-up in his face or just drive past. I mean, he couldn't do shit. It was awesome. I felt, I felt amazing. Are you good at basketball? It sounds like you're good at basketball now. Uh, I'm not good, but I'm okay. I can, ha- I can show up to almost any court and, like, hang, at least play defense, you know? The, would you be able to show up to uh, – what's the court in Phoenix? What's it called? The court in Phoenix? Like the Phoenix Suns arena? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, probably something stupid like the Post-Its Arena or some shit. I don't know. That's 3M. That's Minnesota. Oh, you're right. It's probably <laughs> something stupid like Smelly Pizza Arena. Um, yeah, like uh, NRA Arena. Oh, there we go. That's a good one. Swimming Pools RS Arena. <laughs> uh, we got to work on the joke writing, Dylan. Anyway, it, let's actually dive into the podcast. That's just off the cuff. That's not that, joke writing. You're right. Don't, don't let our don't make our listeners think that we're writing these. We did not write any of those. Don't worry. Don't worry, everybody. Let's get into our content though for the podcast. Uh, so today we're gonna look back at our beginning of the season preview. It seems like so long ago that we did. This was at the start of our podcast. We did a season preview. Dylan, twenty eight episodes later, here we are. Can you believe that? Twenty eight episodes. Wow. I know. I have so many people to thank. 28 is my favorite number, first of really? all. Really? Yeah, because of it's actually because of Fred Taylor, surprisingly enough. Okay. 
I played as Fred Taylor in Madden 2001. God, that was a long time ago. Damn, yeah. And the Jaguars were my favorite team, so Freddie was my favorite. Yeah. And Mark Brunell was left-handed. I'm a left-handed boy, too. I remember, did they have Fred Taylor and um, what was that guy with the hyphenated last name? Hmm. They had Jimmy Smith. Their left tackle was um, Bo. I forget his name. Maurice Jones Drew. Did they have oh. him and Fred Taylor at the same time? Uh, I don't think that they overlapped, but yeah, MJD's great. I loved MJD. He ruined one of my fantasy seasons when I took him second round, but mm. yeah. Yeah, he was always one of my favorite players growing up. I used to love him. Five foot five and jacked all right so we're gonna do uh we're gonna review our season preview so if you recall in our season preview we did a a draft to rank the team so i would pick a team dylan would pick a team and turns out when you do that you don't get a very good uh ranking of the nba teams but we did what we did and so we're gonna go back and review we're gonna see where we hit where we missed we mostly missed um, but we're going to use this as a, you know, kind of a platform to talk about where the NBA is right now and think about how we can grow next year when we're predicting the season. Dylan, you ready to go? No. All right. Well, we're doing it anyway. First up, we're going to start with the Eastern Con- Conference playoffs. In first place, currently, we have the Milwaukee Bucks. Dylan, you and I said Milwaukee would finish third in the Eastern Conference. We both took their over at 47 and a half wins. What, how many wins are they at right now? They have 59. All right. So that's a win for us. I think we just made every one of our listeners, every one of our OG listeners, some money. That's right. Because we said there was a lock in the over. Um, so everybody knew the Bucks were going to be good. I don't know how many people knew the Bucks were going to be this good, though. Yeah, I think that we thought that the top three seeds or the top three or four seeds were going to be way better than the rest of the Eastern Conference, and I think that that played out the same way that we thought it would, just in a different way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in in a slightly different way. I mean, I'm not sure how much better Philly is than Boston. That's the current 3-4 matchup, but that... The whole Boston situation has has been confusing all year. Yeah, I'm just kind of trying to say that, like, the Celtics are clearly on paper better than the Pacers, and then after that, it's a dumpster fire, basically. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, But as far as Milwaukee, of course, Giannis having a career season playing out of his mind. The likely MVP, it seems— um, it's kind of between him and James Harden right now. I, I think that Giannis is going to win it. I just And that was the most boring pick at the beginning of the year. I think we both had Giannis as our preseason MVP as well mm-hmm. and then had like LeBron as a sneaky uh, second-place MVP. Yeah, but LeBron was our dark horse. But th- that's not a horrible take. His, he, if he would have not been hurt, I don't think that – I think he could have stayed in the top five especially if they would have stayed in that three to six range in the Western Conference. I agree. Number two in the East is the Toronto Raptors, which we actually correctly predicted. Way to go us. High five, Dylan. Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, I think that... Wait, 
I'm my hand's still traveling to the East Coast. Okay. Yep. We'll let you know, listeners. We'll let you know when the hands meet in Minnesota. Oh. Oh. Uh, the Raptors the over under was fifty five and a half wins. Uh, they have gotten their over, and they're what fifty fifty eight wins now, fifty seven wins. Where are they at, Dylan? Fifty seven. Nice, nice. So, listeners, you're welcome. Uh, I think it was more money. This was another. Did we have that as a lock? We had it as a lock. Yeah, the over was a lock. We we had a, the conversation that adding Kawhi to this team that was already very good. There there could be no. There could be no wrongs. The only thing that made us nervous was the new coach. But we also didn't predict that the Raptors would also get Marcus Gasol on their team, <laughs> which is kind of which, insane. And they were already good before that. Uh-huh. But I don't know if they're any better for the regular season right now, yeah. especially because they've been kind of lineup shifting and doing all these weird things to get Kawhi rested and all this stuff. Yep. But Another thing we didn't predict was your boy from Cameroon hey. all of a sudden becoming the the most improved player in the NBA. For real. Pascal Siakam has had an amazing, amazing year. I do want to say that I, I shouted him out, though, pretty heavy. I was like, Pascal Siakam, I like him. I think he's a really good player. He could, I, I said he could have a good year this year. I had no <laughs> idea that he would be this. I'm not gonna Way to be bold. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I thought that he would be what he is right now. But most improved player. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. If he doesn't win it, I don't know. Like, no, no. I'm saying you didn't say he was going to be most improved player. No. You didn't go out on a limb and say that. No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, you didn't think he was going to have this many like thirty point, ten rebound games. I who could have? Who could have? He <laughs> he did do the. I did draft him on my fantasy team, and he did do me a lot. Yeah, that was probably a nice later pickup, mm-hmm. mid-rounds. Mm-hmm. So Philly's in third. They were kind of hovering around 4-5 for the longest time, but have made a late push to move all the way up to third, whereas Indiana and Boston have been kind of stumbling their way toward the end of the season. So I don't think they're going to drop to four. There's right now two games ahead of the Celtics for third place. I think this is what you're looking at. Yep. They only have two more games left. Yeah, Celtic, the Celtics do have the tiebreaker, so if Philly loses out and Boston wins out, then Boston will be three, but that seems like the least likely scenario. Yeah. Unless Philly just decides, fuck it, we're going to sit Embiid for until. But even if they sit Embiid, they still have, like, I. That's this is the thing we didn't predict about, because uh, we couldn't predict about Philadelphia, is that they would end up with Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. And somehow they would fix their depth issues. They had yeah, and oh. and we we didn't predict Landry Shamit no to be to become something that would be a trade asset for Tobias Harris, the main trade asset. Right. You still loved Markel Fultz. I do. <laughs> uh, and I don't think that I'm ever going to get back on that train ever again. Please euthanize me if I do. Listen, in our preview, we were talking about how. You know, I I fell more in love with Marco Fultz when he wasn't playing, which is a bad sign because in the preview we were talking about how Marco was starting because he 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 was the starting point guard at the beginning of the season, and we were like, this won't work. This is not. Mm. This is we need. You need to surround Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons with three shooters. That was those are your words. You said the only way Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can play on the same basketball court is if they're surrounded by three shooters. 
That was a good prediction because there was a lot of uh, there were a lot of issues that they had this year because of that playing together, and everybody started to saying that Ben Simmons need to go. Absolutely. Now, did they surround them with three shooters? Kind, kind, yes. Tobias Harris is a really good three point shooter. JJ Redick obviously is a good three point shooter, and Jimmy Butler has worked his way to being a legitimate perimeter threat. He was actually shooting better with the Wolves this year. He was shooting 38% with the Wolves on 4.5 attempts, and now he's shooting 34% on 2.7 attempts. That's horrible. Interesting. Maybe he is a better off-the-dribble three-point shooter than... I think he's... Hmm. I think my bet is that he's really just much more of a rhythm shooter. And so off-the-dribble just works better for him because he is a pretty ball-dominant player on the offensive side of things. My prediction with Jimmy Butler ended up being right. He's definitely playing worse with these other two guys than he was with the Wolves. Mm-hmm. So my prediction that he wouldn't be that great of a fit with them is somewhat correct, except he's still pulled some pretty crazy wins out of his butt throughout the season. Right. You know, and that so In that's that's kind of the that's the cool thing about and ex- excuse me, but let, we'll we'll go a little bit longer on Philly because we haven't talked about Philly very much since the Jimmy Butler trade. <laughs> But that's that's what's great about having Jimmy Butler as the second or third option on your team is that he is a very clutch player. So in crunch time, it's Jimmy time. You can throw the ball to Jimmy and ISO, and he's going to be able to get you a bucket a good portion of the time. The rest of the time, he functions as the primary defender of the best player on the other team and as probably one of the best like slasher slash cutter options in the NBA as far as like someone who has the ability to be a top 15 player who's functioning as a slasher. That's like, I mean, that's a real luxury for, for Philadelphia. Yeah. They could turn it up a notch in the playoffs just because of that. Once the rotations get less deep, I think they could prove to be the best starting lineup in the NBA. Maybe other than the Warriors. Yeah, I I was really really impressed with Philadelphia's season from a administrative side. G like Elton Brand has done an amazing job as the GM for the Philadelphia 76ers. I am so impressed. We had the under though. We did have the under, and I'm not sure if we're gonna get it. But actually, we did get it. We already got it. We got the under. Yeah, the over-under was 54 and a half. They're at 50 wins. Hell yes. We did it. They were at 52 wins last year, and their best record is going to be 52 wins this year. Yeah. You know, I think I had the way under. I think I was like, I think uh, this team's going to win 48, 49 games, only because uh, we picked the Wizards at number four, and I said it was going to be a 50-win season for the Wizards. But we'll talk about the Wizards in, in a little bit. Uh, That's your take, not mine. I know, I know. T- terrible take, terrible, terrible take. But I'm gonna bow my head and I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna talk humbly about my crazy Wizards take when the times comes. But right now we're moving on to the next team in the East, which is the Boston Celtics at number four. We had them at number one, Dylan. In the beginning of the this season, this might be my worst take <laughs> of the year. We had their over at 59 as a lock. We said this team. <laughs> Could win 60, 61, 62, 65 games. I thought for sure they would win 65 games. But who would have thought that a team that didn't have Kyrie for the end of the season and Gordon Hayward for the whole season would all of a sudden become worse 
Where did Brad Stevens go? Why is he not the second best coach in the NBA anymore? And this team is going to be a quagmire until they're knocked out of the playoffs in the second round. Maybe the first round. Yo, you know what I think? It's tough because it's a it's an it's a collection of talent that just isn't it's just not it's not clicking. It's just not working. You know, I think that there are pieces of the Celtics that work. I think obviously Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum work really well together because we saw how well they worked in the playoffs last year. I think Al Horford is the perfect center. <laughs> I mean, like he can yeah. he can do everything. I think Gordon Hayward. I wish I could stencil him out and put him on the Warriors. Right. Oh shit! Don't even get me started with that. Uh, <laughs> I think part of the problem is that their their role players are very they're they're just they they take a lot of shots. You've got um, what's his name Terry Rozier in a contract Rozier year is so bad. Yeah, yeah, and he's in a contract year and he's trying to get money. I can't blame him for that. I can't blame him for that. But he's wild on the offensive end of things. He's real real wild. Gordon Hayward is really not not all there. Uh, Marcus Morris is very shot happy. He touches the ball and it is going up, no matter what. So you know they've got they've just got some talent issues they've got to work through. I don't feel bad for this team because they're set up for so long with their treasure. Tro- they're gonna have three draft picks this year, and they've got two young players that are likely gonna be all stars someday. So like. Psh- I can't feel bad for the Celtics. My worst take of the whole year was maybe Jason Tatum as a dark horse top five MVP candidate. I know. I remember you saying that. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> I think one thing I've learned from starting a podcast was uh, learn to be bold, but don't start yourself on fire willingly. Yeah, that was that was hot. I could feel that all the way in New Haven. I was like, "Woo, boy, you burning up. Yeah, I'm sorry about the radiation <laughs> from my atom bomb. All right, so in fifth place, we've got the Indiana Pacers. This was far from what we thought the Pacers would be. For the longest time, they were solidly the third seed before Oladipo went down. And obviously, when you lose your best player, it's it's hard to, you know, maintain the pace of winning that puts you in the third seed in the East. But we had the Pacers all the way down at seven. That was my pick, actually, which was bold. I picked them at seven. I really thought they weren't going to be as good. I thought the Oladipo surprise factor was going to be diminished. I thought the team itself was not that good. I didn't see Miles Turner taking this big of a jump. I didn't like that Miles Turner and Sabonis couldn't really play together functionally, but I was really proven wrong. This team is good. But, listeners, if you bet on this with us, uh, we had the under on 48 wins, and Mm -hmm. the maximum amount of wins that they can have this year at this point, they have one game left, they can have 48 wins. So if you made that bet, we still didn't lose you money. Not yet. Well, I guess we lost you money on the Celtics very badly, but uh, <laughs> but we're three for four, kind of. Yeah, that's or not bad. As far as over two and a half or four. Yeah, as far as over under, that's pretty good. Um, 
but yeah, I mean the the Pacers got good. Bojan Bogdanovic had an amazing season. A really really surprised me. Career averages across the board, shooting forty two percent from three, scoring eighteen points, four rebounds, two assists per game. He was phenomenal this year. He's so annoying to watch. It's just those. It's those European players that just try way too hard, mm-hmm. and they look like they're going to injure everyone on the court. They're the most excruciatingly painful to watch as your team is trying to win. Like they're just—he was carrying the Pacers against the Timberwolves earlier in the year. Yo, when he when he wants to turn it on, he can really light it up. I remember watching him in the Olympics, putting up forty game forty points a game, just like nothing, just step backs, faders. Um, really difficult three-point shots because he's really he's tall and he's long and he's got he does have a goofy game but he's kind of shockingly smooth with his game you know yeah the way that he can get to the basket and uh, cut off ball and just get really amazing looking layups uh, that's really been the saving grace for the Pacers this year yeah yeah, props to Bojan for having a great year. Props to Miles Turner for having a really, really good year. Defensive player of the year candidate. All right, next up is the Brooklyn Nets. Alert, alert, alert. Big time miss by us. Okay, so we ranked the Brooklyn Nets 24th. Uh, so the sixth best team, or the sixth worst team, excuse me, in the in the league. Their over-under was 32 wins, and I took the over, actually. But, Dylan, you took you took the under. You really you did not believe in the Brooklyn Nets at all. And look at now. They're here in the fourth seed, in the sixth seed, excuse me, in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I don't care. D'Angelo Russell was horrible last year and showed no sign of becoming the thing that he became this year. Mm-hmm. I had no idea Karis LeVert was going to be able to continue looking like maybe a future NBA All-Star. Definitely, and looked like an All-Star at the beginning of the year. And are the fact that they're even able to play together now that uh, they're both playing together. What's really cool about the Nets is, one, obviously D'Angelo Russell had an amazing year. Another most improved player candidate. Probably not as strong of, as a case as um, Pascal Siakam, but still, like, Ray, big, big improvement as far as, as him as a player. All of their guards that handle the ball are at least 6'5", in D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Karis LeVert, which is super unique and super rare and has actually really helped their defense even though D'Angelo Russell is not a defensive player he's not a very good defender he is a big body Spencer Dinwiddie is a really solid defender and Karis LeVert even though he missed a lot of the season is a solid defender I don't know if the numbers back me up on Karis LeVert I haven't looked but the eye test tells me that he's a pretty solid defender so they're able to bring Karis LeVert off the bench now yeah that's really nice and he's able to score like 15 to 20 points a game off the bench. That's amazing for them. I didn't predict Jared Allen becoming like the NBA blocks leader or whatever. <laughs> oh, I he was one of my most improved player candidates this year. I thought he was going to have a fantastic season. I love Jared Allen. We had a long talk about Jared Allen and his afro. And 
Black Klansman. His afro's perfect. He's all hair team. Yeah, I'm I I'm fucking in love with this Nets team. Especially since moving out to the East Coast. I just I just hope that they don't end up with Jimmy Butler. <laughs> that that would be my nightmare. I was the one who convinced you to take on the Nets instead of the Knicks. So I know. I'm gonna take credit for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get credit. That's fair. That's fair. We had Brooklyn at twenty four. I don't think that they're that much better than Memphis, Detroit, Cavs, Clippers, Nuggets, Timberwolves. Is that fair? Uh that's fair. I still would have I still would put them in that kind of middling area. Yeah, they're definitely middling. And my thing about the only one we really missed was the Bulls being above Brooklyn. To that. Otherwise, that that middle section was pretty solid. Well, we missed the Cavs, but yeah. Well, but that that's due to injury. I'm not gonna blame Kevin Love for that. I mean, I guess we could have predicted that Kevin Love got hurt again, but yeah, it seems to happen every year. All right, the next team in the playoffs, a team that I was really bullish on, not playoff bullish, but I sure do love them. The Orlando Magic in the seventh seed in the East. Dylan, you were very low on the Magic. Listeners, had... just so you know, I'm going to go rated R on the Orlando Magic starting now. I'm still low on the Magic. They're going to get <laughs> swept out of the fucking playoffs. They fucking suck. I don't know what they're doing. Their best players are 30-year-old Vucevic, and I guess Vucevic is like 25, and for some somehow he's 25, but he's been playing the NBA for 20 years. And... DJ Augustine, what the fuck is this team? Yo. I'll Aaron Gordon's not even is. a top three player on their team. Okay, he's Aaron the Gordon, third best player. He's the third best player, and his, his scoring average has actually gone down by two points this year. But he's becoming a better three-point shooter. Every every season he's gotten better. This year he he's up to 36% from three, which is valuable, you know? I think, you know, having three... NBA average or above three-point shooters in your starting lineup, or four with Evan Fournier, that's powerful, you know? That's really good. Um, Mo Bamba going down helped them a lot, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one thing that helped them the most. (laughs) It really did, because they didn't have to, they didn't, I was kind of excited for Mo Bamba coming into the season. I I was really excited for the uh, Mo Bamba Jonathan Isaac, Wes Awundu lineup with all that length, which turns out was not a good lineup. (laughs) You had the exact right take for all the wrong reasons. I know. (laughs) I put all my faith in the bad players instead of Vucevic and DJ Augustine. (laughs) But uh, I think that Mo Bamba, obviously he's a rookie center, does not know how to play defense, and... He's just big and slow, and until he actually learns where to be on an NBA floor to be an adequate defender, if he learns, then he's useless, and he's actually a detriment to your team. Listen, Vucevic is having a career year, 2012-4, and shooting really efficiently. I I don't really get it. I I didn't think they were going to be this good, but what are they at, like 40 wins, 39 wins? Uh yeah, they're at forty wins right now, and they're in the seventh seed. I don't know how they're the seventh seed. 
but they're going to be swept by the Raptors if they stay in the seventh spot. Yeah, if if they fall to eighth, they'll get swept by Milwaukee. If they move up to sixth, they'll get swept by Philadelphia. I'm this is this is the least scary playoff matchup. Less scary than the Pistons for sure, and less scary than Brooklyn, and less scary than Indiana for that matter, and less scary than the Heat. I think the Heat could take a game from some of those teams. I think so too. If Josh Richardson could be could come back healthy, I but. know that's so sad. Sad that Dwayne Wade has to leave this way. Mm, yeah. But. What do you mean sad that he has to leave this way? You mean as the center of attention for the entire NBA right now? True. I don't feel True. bad. <laughs> I don't feel bad either. All right. Next is the Detroit Pistons in eighth place. We had Detroit 21. Their over-under was 38, and we both pretty solidly took the under. But we also acknowledged that if Blake Griffin could stay healthy the whole season, the team had a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. We just didn't believe in a healthy Blake season. I was pretty bullish on Blake as what he could be theoretically and this is what i thought he could be theoretically so what just happened him being third team all nba forward likely is is what i had hoped for out of blake because i'm not a blake hater like you are the big pink hey i don't i don't hate him i just love to roast his ass he's a comedian he can take it yeah he's so funny (laughs) i love him but he's he's having a crazy year. Twenty five points, seven point seven rebounds, and five and a half assists on thirty six percent shooting from three, taking seven a game. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's the insane part. He is the best stretch big that you could possibly imagine as a match for Andre Drummond. Because oh not God. only can he shoot and spread the floor, but he can pass and spread the floor, and he can get the ball to Andre Drummond where he needs it. And he's really made Andre Drummond a better player too. Yeah, Andre Drummond very quietly having a 17.15 rebound season. Oh my god. What is how by how many points is that his the most points he's ever scored in his career? I think just one. He had a oh. 6 he had a, like a 16-12 season. That's still insane. This is the best year of his career. This is yeah, he's having he's having a career year. And he's at 1.7 steals and 1.7 blocks per game. Wow. And, and he's not he's not an all-star this year, which is crazy. And all of that is like fake production because Blake Griffin has made him look like that. I know. Blake has really helped him. So yeah, in his fourth season, he averaged 16 and 15. So Blake scored 45 against the Thunder last night. I know it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Or f- or Friday, I should say. Yo, man. Andre Drummond's getting five offensive rebounds a game. Yeah. I did hear a good stat. I don't know if this was on the Dunk Down podcast, but where the offensive rebounds are an overrated stat just because that means that they're not going to be getting back in transition, the bigs. Mm. But I don't know. Um, especially for an Andre Drummond type who isn't as athletic as like a Carl Anthony Towns type who can get yeah. run back fast. If you have your slow big not getting back in transition early, you're going to get roasted a lot. Just like we're going to roast him later on someday. He's at 13% from three right now, so he's really killing it. But all of that 13% is against the Timberwolves. 
<laughs> right. He scored every three-pointer of his career against the Timberwolves. All right, that's enough about Detroit. Fuck Detroit. We're going to move on to the Western Conference playoffs. In first place... But I do think they're the scariest out of the bottom three to face just because you never know what's going to happen with Blake Griffin on that's any true. given night. Yep, Blake, could, Blake is going to win a, at least one game. Maybe. Hopefully. We'll I think that was, that was a good bold take. I like it, though. We will see. Hopefully they can get up to two. They could probably take a, uh, Toronto's tough. <laughs> Maybe they won't win a game. Who knows? All right, we're going to move on to the Western Conference, though. In first place, unsurprisingly, is the Golden State Warriors. Hey, that's a good pick by us. We had them in first, too. And I think we also had... Did we have the under? We had the under. And did we get it? Where are they at right now? The under over-under was 62.5. They are at 55! Yeah. Wow. Yep. What a great we, pick. We got the under because we were really thinking there was going to be chemistry issues with Boogie Cousins. And there were and are chemistry issues. When everybody's healthy... I guess they've been playing pretty well, but uh, Boogie Cousins has kind of disappeared a lot of the games. But he's also had some amazing games. Yeah, but that's only when Kevin Durant's out. Or but isn't that isn't that perfect? Isn't that what you want? Yeah, that's kind of what they got him for. I guess here's the here's the point. So they're at a seventy percent win win percentage total, seventy five percent with him. So it's not a huge bump. And it's not as big of a bump, I think, as like the normies were saying when they're like, oh, my God, they got DeMarcus Cousins. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest test is going to be in the playoffs when um, people are just going to be exploiting the DeMarcus Cousins matchup. Specifically, I think the Rockets will know how to exploit that with the pick and roll with Clint Capella. Oh, yeah. Just switch him on to James Harden every single time. Yeah. Make him guard James. Get him in foul trouble. I think that's going to be their formula for all seven games. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. That's the thing is that they got him on a super cheap deal. And so even though he is a really good player financially, based on how much people are getting paid, he's he doesn't really have any any sway as far as like he needs to be playing this many minutes so when the playoffs come if he can't play i don't think the warriors are going to have any problem not playing him yeah i just hope that their chemistry issues continue to kind of be percolating and Mm -hmm. i hope that they lose i think that it's possible and i think that most people at the beginning of the year were saying oh this team's gonna go 80 and 2 or whatever I think there were a lot of people, especially outside of the media, that were saying that this team could be even better than last year. And we said that they wouldn't be. Good take by us. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, I just want the Warriors to be tested at the very least. I want them to have a good series or two. I want them to lose. You don't want them to lose? You're, You're an asshole. You hate good basketball. Listen, man. You done got you a dime piece. That's from Caroline by Amine. But I, I, I want, sure, I want the Warriors to lose. But I also respect the Warriors because they do play really good basketball. In fact, they're the best at it. I mean, we also have to acknowledge, though, that they they drafted Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. So whatever whatever you have to say about, you know, getting Kevin Durant and, and DeMarcus Cousins and Andre Iguodala, okay. that's fine. That gets but- you one title. And I was happy when they got their one title. But then they were good enough, and 
they had a rich enough owner. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> two could. titles. But now that they, now we're getting to four titles, and we need to start rooting against this. It's our responsibility as NBA fans. That's fair. That's fair. All right, so let's begin the process of rooting against it by moving on to the number two seed in the West, the Denver Nuggets. That was This was a big swing and a miss by us. We had them out of the playoffs. We had them behind the Timberwolves. Man, and every time I watch them, it seems like, okay, they're better than the Timberwolves, but it seems like they're not the second best team in the Western Conference. I watched them lose to the Jazz. Who else did I watch them lose to? Let me just go through this. I watched them lose to the Warriors, and oh my God, they lost to the Wizards. I didn't watch that. But they've just had some interesting games. I saw them lose to the Rockets. So when they're playing the best teams, I think I would like to look up this these stats. I wonder how well they just played against the lower half of the league. And maybe they just destroyed all of them because every time I saw them in like a must-win game, they were fine, but they weren't like winning every one of them. So, yeah, I mean, they definitely had a really hot start to the season and they beat Golden State early in the season and they were really riding high for the first three months of the season. Then they hit kind of a, a rough patch in late winter, early spring and the Warriors passed them, but... I, I you know no I I think that they're a real solid team. I think they're a really solid team. I think they do have some flaws that are going to be hard to get over in the playoffs. They don't really have a lockdown wing defender. They don't have a 3 that is going to guard the likes of Kevin Durant and I guess Kevin Durant is the only legitimate three. Oh, Paul George. Who's their guard you know, defender? DeMar Gary DeRozan. Harris? Uh, Jamal Murray's probably the better defender of the two. Jamal Murray's a really good defender. He's small. Oh, he is? He's listed at 6'5". I don't think he's 6'5". He doesn't look 6'5". Will Barton is their wing defender, right? Yeah, but he's small. He's another one. He's listed at 6'6". Not sure about that. Uh, but he plays small forward, and he's just going to get eaten alive by Kevin Durant, Paul George. You know, those guys are way bigger than him. So, they're, you know, their defensive scheme is, is going to have to be pretty pretty well planned out to, you know, if they come up against those teams. And it's looking like they could be – there's a possibility they could be matched up against OKC in the first round. That's kind of what it looks like. And that's going to be a tough match for them because Paul George is going to have his – way will barton is clearly taller than jamal murray in all the pictures that i'm seeing yeah will barton is taller than jamal murray jamal murray might only be like six two he's not very big a lot of people were predicting jamal murray to have like a breakout season and and be like most improved player and he's had a good year he's at the career highs across the board 18 points four rebounds five assists that's pretty solid numbers but yeah i don't know this team is interesting I, i'm curious to see how they're going to play in the playoffs I had a bad Paul Millsap take, and he's the Taj Gibson of this team. He's the engine that kind of drives them. Oh, and yeah. he's going to be the defender that makes or breaks their playoff run. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if they use Paul George, on, uh, not Paul George, Paul Millsap on Paul George against OKC. I don't know if Paul Millsap is fast enough at this point in his career, though, to keep up with Paul George. We'll see. Paul George is also a little bit banged up. so. Yeah, and my question for the playoffs for the Denver Nuggets finally, is will Jokic be 
impactful enough on the offensive end throughout the playoffs to be able to stay on the floor on the defensive end. That's been my question all year, and it remains my question. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, and I guess as we've seen as Timberwolves fans, it is hard to, as a big, have consistent play in the playoffs. The ball doesn't end up always getting to the post. That's right. All right, we're going to move on. we got to keep things moving. So I'm going to start to move us along a little bit faster. Houston is number three in the league in the Western Conference playoffs. We had them at number two. Their over-under was 56 games, and we smashed the over. We said there's no way that this team is 10 games worse than they were last year. Uh, Unfortunately, we were wrong about that. But they're not that much worse than we predicted. They had a tough start to the year, but they've been on fire. Yeah, they are still the second best team in the West. And I think so too. I think they have a chance to become the second best team still. I think that they could pass the Nuggets. It's possible. It's possible. I want to talk about some of our early season takes from the Rockets because some of them are pretty funny. First of all, you were really high on the Rockets trading for Jimmy Butler. You really wanted them to trade. You said they should trade Clint Capella and all of their picks for Jimmy Butler and go Jimmy Harden and Paul ride him into the playoffs which I'm into I'm into that idea I can't I can't lie and tell you that I'm not into that idea that would be fucking awesome pre-Jimmy Butler mental breakdown that was not a bad take no 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 not horrible now horrible it's not as great as it was but my super fiery take from the beginning of the season, which turned out to be um, horrible, is that I said on tape, I said, let me get this on record. Carmelo Anthony will win sixth man of the year this year. Wow. <sighs> that's that's your second worst take of the year. What's my first worst? We'll get to the Wizards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Carmelo Anthony played six games this year, so I think that's what I was thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> Who's after the Rockets, Chalenga? The Portland Trailblazers in the number four seed. We had them at number seven in the West. I believe that was your pick. And yep. I was I was much higher on the Trailblazers than you were. You uh, were convinced that they were going to blow it up this year and they were going to trade one of their star guards. Hey, you know what? We still picked them in the playoffs, and they are a whopping three and a half games ahead of where I picked them. <laughs> There's not Ooh. much differentiating them between them and the Thunder. Yeah, that's true. I just always forget. I just want to give props to Damian Lillard because he has consistently been one of the best point guards in the league. And it just doesn't feel like he gets enough love because his team is not that good. No, and he, since they've lost Nurk, he's been able to carry them and CJ. So yeah. he's been able to carry them and... I'm proud of them, and guess what? I still root for Portland because they are one of those small market teams that's been able to keep its stars, and we it is our responsibility to root for those teams. Yeah, and you know what? Our hearts at the Coast to Coast NBA podcast go out to Yusuf Nurkic. Hope for a, a, a quick recovery. I, I hate to see that type of injury. It's just just horrible. It was a clean break with not much or any ligament damage, I believe. So yeah. we are looking at a better uh, recovery time frame than for Gordon Hayward, let's say. 
Yep, hopefully he'll be back to start next year or at least midseason next year. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, I just hate to see that type of stuff. Yeah. Moving on, next in fifth place is the Utah Jazz. We had them four. Uh, their over-under was 49.5, and, and I think we both took the under by a little bit uh, just because we didn't know if there would be four 50-win teams in the in the West. I think I was too low on them. You were too low on them. Yeah, I think they're the third best team in the West. You think so? You think they're th- you think they're better than OKC? I think that it goes Warriors, Rockets, and then Jazz. Wow, better than Denver and OKC. Okay. Yeah, they play really hard. I love it when Joe Ingles plays point guard, as you know. Yeah. And they they just have really good players doing what they like in their roles, meaning like. They might not have they might not have an all NBA player. And yet Rudy Gobert is the best center in the NBA at doing what he does, which is rim yeah. protecting. And he might be all NBA. We'll see. Well let's hope not as Timberwolves fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I watched them beat the Nuggets and I was infused with so much excitement with what they could do. Maybe even against the Warriors. I think that they're our second best chance at beating the Warriors in the Western Conference. Yeah, I'm excited to see year two what Donovan Mitchell has in store in the playoffs. You know, he's he's such an exciting electric young player. And I think he was a little bit forgotten about this year because he had some injury problems and he had a rough start to the year. Um, being in a small market in your second year, that's kind of a disappointment compared to your rookie season is it's tough, but he's been balling out in, in the past couple months. So I'm, I'm excited to, to see this momentum roll into the playoffs and to see what he can do. It's cause it's, it's looking like it's going to be Portland, Utah in the first round, which will be exciting. That'll be a, a real exciting series. Here's the thing that I like to see always. They're on a seven-game win streak currently. They're against the Lakers tonight. They might have an eight-game win streak. By the time uh, all is said and done today, and then they have Nuggets and Clippers, but they've just been closing the season out really strong, and yep. I love it when teams do that. I, I like when they don't just pump the brakes like maybe the 76ers are kind of doing or some of the other teams like OKC. Right. <laughs> yeah, props to Utah. Love them. All right, number six is the Los Angeles Clippers, another surprise playoff team. We had them, I believe, 19 below the Timberwolves and the Nuggets at 19. Their over-under was 36.5. We acknowledged at the time that that was way too low. We both took the over. Uh, we thought this was going to be, uh, you know, this team was going to be around 500, maybe slightly below 500. But I did not expect them to be this this many games above 500, and especially after trading Tobias Harris, still continuing to win and make it into the play. I mean, this is, did, did you see this coming? I didn't see the sixth seed, that's for sure. I saw them being able to sneak into the playoffs, and I think we probably acknowledged that, mm-hmm. like that they were dark horse playoff team. But without Tobias Harris, uh, that's pretty surprising. Gallinari stayed healthy, and I think that's the X factor for them. But Montrez Harrell has been a candidate for most improved slash six man, and yeah. Lou Williams is another six man candidate. Is he going to win again? I hope he does. He deserves it. I mean, he's the best player on a playoff team, and he's coming off the bench. So, like, 
<laughs> I think that is a pretty like you just you deserve it if that's who you are. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I like these. I like this Clippers team. I really hope that they can land a star next year. They they talk. There's talk about Kawhi going to the Clippers, which would be kind of sad because that Raptors team is real solid and they really click. But I can't lie and say that I wouldn't love to see Kawhi Leonard playing on this team as a resident Laker fan as my second NBA <laughs> choice. Right. It pains me to see the Clippers playing this well, but at the same time, they're almost a small market team. So I do have to root. It's I'm very conflicted in this. Right. What I'm wondering is what did we get most wrong about this team? Was it Doc Rivers? I think I think it was Doc Rivers. I think it was their I think we acknowledged that they had a lot of depth, but we didn't really think that was going to be important. We didn't know how Pat Beverly was going to play. We didn't know how Shea was going to be. And Shea's been okay. He hasn't been great, but he's been pretty solid as a rookie. And I don't think we expected Tobias Harris and Danilo Gallinari both to have the best seasons of their career. Like a full, healthy season from Danilo, too. Yeah, that's just not... Like- that's not something that we got wrong. I think that that's just something that they got lucky with. But I think the thing that I was most wrong about was I thought that Doc was a bad coach. I think I yeah. might have said that on the podcast. And he's I not. Think he did. He's not a bad coach. Turns out he's pretty good. Especially if he doesn't have Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and Chris Paul crying about each other on the same team. Yeah, you know, that, that was a lot of personality to manage. That was a and... red herring for us. <laughs> yeah. And you know those those Clippers teams with the with the big 3 were also so poorly constructed and didn't have any depth or really any flexibility with how they played. And so that's tough. That's tough as a coach when like you have like you're stuck with these three players that have to play the way that they play, you know? It's like and don't play well together slash don't like each other personally. Yeah, it's there's all, not a lot you can do. It all adds to each other. That's right. In seventh place in the West is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Their over-under was 48.5. We had their under. But we, at first, when I, in the offseason when we first did the rankings, we had OKC in second place. And So then we, glad we redid that. <laughs> yeah, we, we redid it. We, there were some injuries that happened, and we also just kind of thought about it, and we redid it. We moved them down to five. How many wins are they at right now? Uh, Sorry. They are at... 47 wins. 47 wins. Okay, so, and they have how many games left? Wait, let me just check to see if that was after the Timberwolves game. Oh, all right. Yeah, so they have 47 wins as of the win against the Timberwolves just now. And they have two games left. Okay, so we might have been right on the under. We'll see. We will see. I wouldn't be surprised if they did a little bit of resting because – it, dep- how, it depends on how close San Antonio is, because I'm sure they want Denver in the first round. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they really want Denver in the first round. So right now, they're both, the Clippers and Thunder are both half games ahead of the Spurs. The Spurs have one game left. This is going to be tricky. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. If the Thunder win one more game, they're probably okay. Do they have the tiebreaker against any of these teams? Probably not against the Spurs. If what if because they've been in a spot when they've been tied. So, yep. Well, anyway, this Thunder team. My hottest take from the Thunder team is shouting out Deontay Burton at the beginning of the season. I was really excited for him, and that was a he good got take. An NBA contract. Way to go, Deontay. 
other than that, this team has been pretty much what we expect. Russ and Paul George killing it. And the rest of the team doing what they need to do to make it work. But PG is still having a career year. I think people mm-hmm. kind of got off of the bandwagon after he got hurt and came back. But yeah. he still scored 27 against us. He's still a threat on both ends of the court. Yeah, he's and amazing. When you have a team like the Warriors that you might have to play in the Western Conference Finals, for example, you have the perfect antidote against Kevin Durant. Yes, you do. And we all know Russ is going to go as hard as he can against Curry. <laughs> and Clay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Russ has been a, like a, a disappointment in the playoffs the last couple of years. So I, I'm excited to see if he can have a bounce back playoffs this year and the Thunder can make it out of the first round. I think uh, Dennis Schrader has been excellent as the sixth man. He probably won't win sixth man of the year award, but... He has been a really excellent addition to their team. I, I like the Thunder. I, I I look forward to what they can do. I hope they get Denver in the first round so they can move on to the second round. All right, in eighth place is San Antonio. This is a correct pick by us. We had them eighth in the West. Their over-under was 45. I think we took the slight under. Man, we took a slight under on 45? Yeah. But we had them in the exact spot that they're at now. Mm-hmm. And we were right about everything, basically. Yeah. Right now that they have 47 wins, they could have 48 wins. That's the most we got wrong about it was their over-under. And to be honest, I don't like over-unders because I don't think teams are thinking about, oh, we need to win 50 games. I think that they are thinking about seeding and whether they can make the playoffs. But I don't think – I think that they're all thinking in relation to the other teams and they're not thinking about, like – I don't think the Bucks care after they already won. Maybe they care about sixty, but I don't care that I don't think that they care that much after they already clinched the uh, most uh, wins in the NBA. You know what I mean? Let's get back to the Spurs real quick. I don't want to talk about the Spurs for that long. They are who we thought they were. They overcame the injury of their starting point guard. Derek White is they, better than probably anybody thought, except the Spurs. They still have a brilliant coach at figuring out what he has and what he should exploit. They, now this year they're exploiting the mid-range, and uh, good for them. They got Yeah, they're going to get destroyed in the playoffs, though. They got L.A., LaMarcus Aldridge at the five, and they're going to get destroyed, yep. Golden State is going to sweep them. No questions. All right, uh, so that is our playoff picture, and that was our preview. So we got in the East... We went five for eight as far as teams in the playoffs. And in the West, we went six for eight. So we did an okay job. I feel like considering how predictable the NBA is, going basically 11 for 16 for playoff teams is not that good. But Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> but, to I mean, Brooklyn, Orlando, Detroit, I guess let's talk about some of our misses. So... Now is the part where I have some egg on my face and I feel embarrassed for my take. In the preseason, I predicted the Washington Wizards to be the fourth seed in the East and that I I said that this was going to be their first 50-win season with Brad Beal and John Wall. Oh, my God. Would that be the first 50-win season since Wes Unseld? (laughs) Perhaps. I forget, but it's some long time. 
it's some they they didn't have a 51 season with uh with uh gilbert no i don't think so i think that they were like 45 win team with gilbert arenas Mm, damn yeah too bad all right well here's the thing about the washington wizards john wall got hurt early in the season he played 32 games dwight howard never really played they traded away Kelly Oubre. I mean, the, the the season was just a disaster. They ended up just recently firing their general manager. Ernie Grunfeld. I will say, though, that most of our takes, like our conversation about the Wizards was logical. And actually, I, I still don't regret any of these takes. We said Jeff Green was a solid addition because he was going to be the eighth or ninth guy. And if Jeff Green is your eighth or ninth guy, he's a very good Eighth or ninth guy. He ended That's up being a their solid take, but he ended up being their fourth guy. <laughs> I guess he kind of did end up. Well, t- Trevor Ariza was their. F- I guess after John Wall got hurt, yeah, he was their fourth guy. Yeah, because it's like Brad Beal, Thomas Bryant, Sadaransky, and then probably <laughs> Jeff Green or Trevor Ariza, then Jeff Green. You know, Sadaransky, another one of those like Boyan Bogdanovich types that just tries yeah. way too hard and yeah. scares me. <laughs> Six foot seven point guard in point guard in quotation marks. But he's a good player somehow. Yeah. Yeah, he is a good player. You know, you said in the season, you said Jan Mahimi's contract is worse than Gorgie Jang's. That was a great take. Yeah, at the beginning of the season, but now Jan Mahimi's uh, expiring, isn't he? I'm not sure. I, I, I don't have his contract up. I right believe now. he is. But yeah, that's tough because right now the Wizards are in what? Uh, t- t- 11th place in the East? Yeah, they had a chance to make the playoffs, though, and they didn't have John Wall all year. This isn't as horrible. The 50-win thing was a horrible take, but like having them in the playoffs was not stupid on our part. Um, really, any of those teams, if they were put in the right spots, could have... Because I just feel like the the preceding 60 games kind of decided who was actually going to try, and I feel like the Wizards were like, we're not trying, we're not trying, and then they just backed their way into having being like three games out of the playoffs and they're like maybe we should start trying so then brad beal starts getting unleashed and all this stuff starts happening but they really never were striving for the playoffs once john wall got hurt for sure yeah yeah so uh if they would have strived for the playoffs i think they would have made it especially with john wall they would have at least been the seventh seed come on yeah i i think so i think so and so hopefully he can come back next year and play but we'll see we will see. This is two years in a row that he's missed most of the season, and he re-aggravated his injury while he wasn't even hurting, while he wasn't even playing. So we'll see. But at least they'll get their draft pick because that's really the only way this capped-out team will be able to get some some talent on their squad. Jan Mahimni is uh, expiring next year. So, yeah, Gorgie Jeng's tr- contract is currently worse. Yeah, that's too bad. Our other big playoff miss was the Los Angeles Lakers. We had them third in the West. Their over-under was 48, and we took the over. I don't regret it. I don't regret it. I don't either. They were in third place for the beginning of the season until LeBron James went down. I watched them in November, and it was so fun to watch how calculated LeBron was. And you know what? He was was calculated in that Jazz game that I saw that was maybe the lowest-scoring game of the year at, like, 89 to 83. Yeah. But he was also calculated in his injury, and he just start. He keeps sitting out and sitting out and sitting out. 
I don't think LeBron wanted to play this year, and I think that it's a positive for them that they don't have LeBron playing into May just to lose to the Warriors in five. Yeah, I agree. They could just shut him down and play for their pick. Yeah, and LeBron's still going to make an All-NBA team. So they really got everything that they wanted out of this year in reality in the long run. And I think this might not might not have been a take like right before the year because all of a sudden I started getting really excited about watching LeBron in Los Angeles, and that's why I had them as a three seed. But when at first when, when this trade happened, I was thinking, oh, my God, he's not going to make the playoffs. I think I, I wrote this on someone's Facebook wall. They were talking about – they were a Cavs fan. This, his name's Eric Moneypenny. Um, he's a comedy writer in L.A. <laughs> But he's a Cavs fan, and I was talking. I was like, "This is perfect. This is LeBron's Space Jam year. This is his baseball year. Like he gets to take the year off, and he mm-hmm. doesn't have to like uh, put a lot into his body. But then he can come back refreshed and better than ever, just for the last three twilight years of his career. And now he has three years left on his contract in L.A. And I think that LeBron still has enough left in his tank, especially considering how good he is to his own body in, in comparison to any player in the NBA in the 90s, much less Michael Jordan. Yeah, I just want everyone to give LeBron James the respect that he deserves. Oh, he's the second best player of all time. Yeah. After the first, which has not yet been revealed. I guess we'll have to find out someday. <laughs> They lost Lonzo, they lost Brandon Ingram, they lost Kyle Kuzma for a number of games. Josh Hart was out for a while. Yeah, and whether or not some of those injuries are real now, they were definitely real in January. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I'm not going to blame this team. I like that they actually kept their talent. Um, hopefully they can sign someone actually good in the offseason. And I'm talking like Clay Thompson, I'm talking like Kawhi Leonard. I don't know. Hope for the best for that team. Anyway, Kyrie. That would Ky- be a cool turn of events. Kyrie would be amazing. Oh, we'll yeah. see. Kemba. Worst case scenario, they sign Kemba. And that makes the team better. Great. Yeah. So my Timberwolves take. Uh, we had the Timberwolves just not barely not making the playoffs. That was a horrible mm-hmm. take. Oh, we did, we also had the Kings being pretty Way bad. Way low. Yeah. So just quickly on the Kings... I don't know how we could have predicted that De'Aaron Fox was going to have such a huge leap. Another, oh, Yet another candidate for most improved player. And good for them for finding that. And, yeah, they had literally the best season that they possibly could have hoped for. And, you know, what? Dave Yeager, Minnesota native, congrats to Dave Yeager on having a good year with the Kings and keeping his job somehow, even though he put his foot in his mouth seven times. A couple things. I remember in the preseason we had an argument where we didn't have an argument. We just asked the question, who's the best young player on the Kings? And we were like, hmm, I don't know. And we both said Harry Giles. <laughs> that was end. a bad take. That was a horrible take because it turns out that De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, Buddy Heald, Bojan Bogdanovic <laughs> are Bogdan. all better than – Bogdan. Bogdan, sorry. Bogdan Bogdanovic are all better than Harry Giles. <laughs> yeah uh, that's that's okay though we, that wasn't that bad it, of a oh that was a bad take no it was a bad the kings are the kings are really talking him up though and watching him in uh like i watched him in some workout videos and some like summer league stuff and i was like oh okay harry giles there comes a point one thing that we i think we probably both learned there comes a point in your nba research where you've just been sitting in your room for too long and you need to just stop watching basketball and come to your senses yeah 
Yep. Stop watching workouts with Harry Giles. Stop watching Michael Porter Jr. workouts, okay? Listen, I'm not backing off from my Michael Porter Jr. take. Uh, if you saw him in some like three-on-three pickup stuff, then I don't think you would, or then I think you would back off. No, he's gonna be good. He's gonna be good. He's I can't be back bad. off now. Back off. All right. So the Kings were too. The t- Kings were too low. The Timberwolves were too high. No, we had the Wolves are like second out. We had them as first out. Yeah, that's too high. Just barely. Yeah, but, but we hit, but Jimmy Butler was on that team, and we were like, oh, well, if Jimmy right. Butler's on the team, then maybe we can make the playoffs and be blah, blah, blah. But right. Jimmy we Butler's probably not. So we were in a weird spot with them, and I think we put them in exactly the spot that they should have been. And and we might have even said that like that over-under they would have been under on. Let me see what we had for them. Uh, their over-under oh, was 45, and we said under. And I think yeah. that that was smart. And I, and And even if we had like a healthy team, we might have been like around 40 wins, but I think we said we'd be in the 30s without Jimmy Butler, no matter yep. what trade we made. So, yep. uh, I, I think we, I think right we both were like, it's we're like a 35 team without Jimmy Butler with just Cat, which is like yeah. around where we are. We're Whoa. 33 right now. That's what we are. That being said, I said in our Timberwolves preview that Carl Anthony Towns was a better power forward than he was a center. This year, he has been guarded more by fours on a, op- opposing teams than fives. And on top of that, he's officially listed on the All-NBA ballot as Zach a forward and a center. So you can suck it, Chalanga. Shouts to Zach Lowe. Thank you for that. Listen, I st- he's, a, he's a center. That's that's all I'm gonna say. I'm not backing off of that. Okay, he's a center. He's a center. He's a power forward. He's everything. That's he's the everything. point of Carl Anthony Towns is that he can do all of these. His the thing that makes Carl Anthony Towns Carl Anthony Towns is that he isn't a center. He isn't a power forward. He's the most versatile big in the NBA, other than maybe Kevin Durant. Wow. And Giannis. Yeah, and Giannis. Sorry. Hmm. He's he's the third. Does, most Le, does LeBron big. count as a big? No. LeBron Booker. isn't gonna play as a five. I guess he did kind of play as a five, but it wasn't very good with the Lakers. No, it wasn't. Anthony Davis is better. No, I'm only counting people six, ten, and up. Oh, the other thing is that I got confirmation from Jim Pete. Jim Pete Hoops. Petey was saying that Carl Anthony Towns was six ten and a half, six eleven. And this was as he was standing right next to Kevin Durant in the foul line. And he was about an inch taller. So Carl Anthony Towns, we need some size. He needs to put his ankles in some, like, shackles and then just stretch his body. Wait, Carl Anthony Towns was an inch taller than KD or KD was an inch taller than Carl? KD was an inch taller than Carl, right, standing Holy right next to him. At, at shit. Yeah, at the foul line. That's wild. Yeah, and Pete was the one who uh, kind of brought it up, and then they showed the angle, and it was pretty clear. KD wow. was taller. It was a pretty even angle, too. So I don't know. Um, I'm not worried about it, but, yeah, Kat, you're kind of a – you're like a shoes seven-footer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he does have size 21 feet, so. But that's kind of all the time we, we got. One thing I want to – bring up quickly before we sign off is we were talking about the Kings and the and the Timberwolves and actually Dave Yeager 
there's been speculation that he might be interested in the Timberwolves head coaching job. Mm, it's I like been that. it's been known for a long time that that is his dream job. He really would love to coach the Minnesota Timberwolves and he's actually had a conversation with the Kings and the Kings have said that they would let him out of his contract if he wanted to go coach the Timberwolves. That's so that that's released news like he Yeah, I read that somewhere. I I I don't know where I read that. I can't quote it. So I guess don't take it as news because it's it's just a nugget from my head that I read somewhere. But that's been it's been a long time known that that Dave Yeager is interested in the Timberwolves job, which would be interesting. You know, I think that I would rather have the Kings job based on roster right now. But the Wolves have the best player in Carl Anthony Towns, so it's tough. Yeah. I'd love Dave Yeager to coach this team. I love Ryan Saunders, and I think Ryan Saunders would also be a deserving candidate to take over full-time. Um, but that's way better than Fred Hoiberg. Thank God Fred Hoiberg got that Nebraska job, his his Ooh. dream coaching job, supposedly, since his grandfather, I just heard on uh, the ESPN broadcast, his grandfather was the coach of the Nebraska team, and he went to Nebraska, and so... There's a lot of history there for Fred Hoiberg. And That's good for sad him. that he wants to live in Nebraska, though. Well, whatever. Lincoln's not that <laughs> bad of a town. So, Dylan, what what have you really learned from this process? Because this is the first time we've done a season preview. Yeah, in and, our lives. Yeah, actually. And so, looking back on it, what do you think that you've learned from doing it, and how can we be better at doing it next year? Well, I think the most obvious thing is to not try to go for hot takes like the Wizards are going to win 50 games or uh, Jason Tatum's going to be a top five dark horse MVP candidate. Baby, we got to have the hot takes. What are we without our hot takes? That's true. What are we without our freezing cold takes of the (laughs) North? But I think another weird trend that people are kind of underrating is that, yes, we may have been wrong about Memphis in terms of their wins. We, I think we had them. Um, what do, where do we have them? We took, the, we, had, we took the under most likely, but our discussion around Memphis was, so their over-under was 33, and we said 33 wins was the least likely scenario for Memphis because they were either going to be... Win. <laughs> We said they were either going to be in the playoffs or they were going to be a bottom feeder tanking team and they're going to win 33 games or close to it. But the weirdest thing is that they are a bottom feeding team. Yeah. And the it's just because tanking has been so different this year. So in terms of lottery odds right now, Memphis is in the top eight and they're, they're at the eighth spot. So they have a like... 50% chance at keeping their pick cuz it's top 8 protected, I believe. Yeah. And our point was that they were either going to be in the bottom 8 or they were going to be contending for the playoffs. And I think we got that narrative exactly right cuz they ended up trading away Marcus All and they ended up uh really bottoming out after they fell out of the playoffs. Like they were a top 4 team in the West at one point mm-hmm. for a while for like way longer than you thought they would be. But then uh, they just dropped, and they became probably over the second half of the season, they were probably a bottom five team in terms of record. 
And so I think we had that narrative exactly right. And ultimately, in terms of overall lottery odds, we're not having any of those teams that have 13 wins like those Philly years because the bottom three teams have an equal percent chance of getting a, the number one pick. And I think people are underrating how that has affected win totals. So you're seeing a lot more teams in the 20s because nobody's tanking for that number one lottery position. And people are just trying to stay in like the top five or they're willing to be tanking at way higher positions. Like it, last year, it was either playoffs or you try for a bottom three spot. But now it's like you even think of the Lakers as tanking and they're in the 10th spot. You know, they're in the 11th spot um, actually right now tied with Minnesota. I think you're right that tanking looks different because once you're in the bottom four, you're you're safe. You know, you, you have the same odds no matter how many games you win or lose. So you might as well try and see what you got if you're safely in that position exactly and i think that at the same time you're seeing a lot more trying at the very very bottom you're seeing a lot less trying in like the 5 to 11 range because everyone's like if i just lose a couple more games i'm gonna have like eight percent chance at getting the number one spot or whatever right number one pick right you know and i think the other thing i learned is that doing a draft to do your rankings is a very bad choice but not as not as bad as not as bad as it could have been but it's still not great it was just more fun that way and it still is more fun what's the other fun way we could do it it's not accurate but it's like it's way more fun drafting our teams isn't it oh yeah oh yeah i mean we put each other in in horrible positions where we had to pick washington as the fourth seed in the east we did not have to (laughs) (laughs) all right well we'll see how the offseason shakes out with the timberwolves coaching situation so that was our that was our season preview review and we didn't do too bad i like that i'm gonna name it the season preview review yeah so we've got a lot to look forward to in the playoffs we've got some guests coming on the pod in the next couple weeks that i'm sure you guys will like Please follow us on social media on Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA, on Instagram at Coast to Coast NBA Pod. Send us an email at Coast to Coast NBA Pod at gmail.com. Download and subscribe, and please tell your friends if you have somebody you know who likes basketball, have them listen to this podcast because I'm sure they'll love it. I'm sure that they will. Uh, don't forget to download, and uh, thanks for listening. Season preview, rear view, gear review. Whoa. See how many views you can get into there, okay? <laughs> okay. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Let's, let's see how many listens we can get into that one. <laughs> <laughs>